0: This is Carrie and Summer with the Say My Name podcast that gives a voice to women's stories. It's my story, it's your story, it's our stories of pain and healing.
1: Welcome to the Same My Name Podcast. This is fabulous. Episode number 12. Yes. 12 means new beginnings. It means that your old habits are done serving you, and it's time to reach out and grasp what is there for you.
0: We are so excited about who is on this episode with us. It's somebody very, very, very special to me. Mm-hmm. It's my sister. Not only that, she was the
1: catalyst to us meeting
0: you're right.
1: I, I am right about that. Yes.
0: Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> so what's super cool is that Ashley, my sis, who's going to be on the show today, um, had, was going to be on the show a little while ago and True. it's, it's interesting how things have played out since then. It just it just didn't align. It didn't work out. And now some more things have unfolded in her story that has made it so perfect to where I feel like we're now at a place. She's now at a place in her story where now it's time to tell it. So I'm so excited to be able to be here and hold space for her to be able to tell the story because I know it so intimately and I know that so many people are going to be impacted by this and touched by it and that it's so extremely hard and very vulnerable for her to be able to share it that I have so much appreciation and so much love, love and respect for her for, for sharing this today. (laughs) So Ash. Like. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Yeah.
2: Thank you guys.
1: So Ashley Pasteldon. Is that how you pronounce it? Possible. Yes, but it's about to be Evans.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay. Ashley, Ashley Evans. Evans welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I think I'm going to change mine to Carrie Lilith. <laughs> to Carrie what? Lilith. <laughs> <laughs> how about what? Huh, what, so how what? Say what? Say what? What'd you say? <laughs> I think I'm going to change it to Carrie Lilith. I like it. Yeah, it
2: flows.
0: Okay, Here we go. so Ouch.
1: why don't you start at the beginning? Talk about where this all started. Where your where did your story start?
2: I mean, obviously, birth, but <laughs> good, good, good. good. That's a good place I was to going start. through the birth canal in yes. my mother's vagina. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, though, it did start at birth, and it's funny because my mom has always told the story of my birth. And she said that when I was born, I didn't cry and I came with my eyes wide open. She said it was like you were just here to learn and grow. And you came out and you were just looking at everything. I feel like this life is definitely (laughs) a moment for me to learn and grow and open my eyes. I think the biggest turning point in my life happened at seven years old. I was, first of all, before that, I was actually sexually molested for a lot of my life and in my younger years. And then that's a big thing, but it isn't like what defines me. It wasn't what changed me. It wasn't what made me who I am I guess when right. I was
0: we we both were so it's so interesting that we both by the same person so it's so interesting that what it what it did to my life and what it did to your life <laughs> so I'm it's so it, I love I love this dynamic that we have Yeah. that you know I have my story yeah but you have your story yes. and it's so different yeah it's beautiful
2: it, it it definitely isn't what my story is I think it was something that I overcame a long time ago I think what changed me as a little girl was I was seven years old. I was sleeping in the same bed as you, Carrie. Mm-hmm. We shared the same bed, yep. same room. For years. <laughs> For years. It was you and I. Yep. And um, I was sleeping, and I woke up from a dead sleep. And I knew something was wrong. And it scared me. And I knew I had to go downstairs and check on my mom. I didn't know why I didn't even, I was too young to even understand what was happening. And I got out of bed and I walked downstairs and I saw my mom sitting at our kitchen table with 20, 30 crumpled up papers at the table, and she was writing a letter, and I said, Mom, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she said, I'm leaving. And I knew it wasn't right. I knew there was something off, and it scared me, and I ran through the house waking everybody up because it was I, I, honestly I don't know what time it was but it was very early in the morning and I was running going mom's leaving mom's leaving trying to get everybody to come and um, eventually everybody kind of woke up <laughs> and came to and my mom said I'm leaving you And your grandma is going to raise you because she's a much better mother than me. And in my little kid head, I thought, how could you leave us? And my dad came out of the bedroom. And I was standing at our front door with my arms spread out, my feet spread out in an X shape, begging my mom not to leave us. And I remember her standing at the top of the stairs and my dad standing right next to her and me begging and begging because I didn't wanna lose my mom. And she was done. And at the moment, I didn't understand. I didn't know what she was going through. I didn't know what my parents were going through. I didn't know where she was in her head because I was too young to understand it. But I knew it was bigger than me. And I changed at that very moment. I changed. I went from being a carefree little girl that just loved life, I was happy, I sang, I danced, I was probably too loud at times because I loved life. And all of a sudden, my life changed because it became about making my mom okay because I was so scared of losing her. (laughs) And I think it's a blessing and a curse because I learned to read people (laughs) because I wanted my mom to always be okay. And so I was always assessing situations. I was always going, is everybody okay with my mom? How is she going to be okay? What can I do? And I was looking at people and trying to understand where they were to try to help her and to protect her. And I spent the rest of my childhood, the rest of my teenage years protecting, even the young adult years, protecting my mom and reading people, assessing. And, um, I remember there was a point, I was married um, to Mark and we had moved to Utah and I was done trying to protect my mom. I was done. I couldn't do it anymore and I let it go. Um, And that was kind of the beginning of me finding me um, because I had lived my life, trying to make my mom okay. And, um, I was extremely depressed. Um, I wasn't, I was doing, I was living a very Mormon life. (laughs) I was doing everything I felt like I should be doing at that point in my life. I was raised extremely religious and, um, I was serving in church callings, trying to become a mom, cooking, cleaning, housework, doing all of the Mormon mom stuff. And um, I lost me. There was like this turning point in... (laughs) I guess finding me, it's funny because I was, I was actually very overweight for me. I, I was, and I went to the mall with my husband at the time and got on a scale and
0: I thought, God, what have I done to
2: myself?
0: Weight is protection. Weight is protection. So of course it makes so much sense. Like, you, you know, you, you were putting on weight to protect yourself. Yeah. So what, what was the turning point? Like what made you make, do that shift with mom? Like feeling like you, you weren't going to carry that burden anymore. Cause it's so fascinating because we both were there for that <laughs> experience. Once again, like, you know, and I have a very different experience from that. It was very monumental for me as well and has caused different trauma for me. Yeah.
2: Um I think my turning point was I was just tired. Yeah. It was exhausting. I felt like I was carrying somebody that I didn't want to carry anymore. Mm. And so I I made a disconnect with mom in a way and there was living in another state. We had moved from Arizona to Utah. Mm-hmm. And um, moving and getting away from it gave me, I guess, an opportunity to kind of break away from it. So, how old are you? Um, Let's see. It was before Eli was born. He's 13. I'm 38. So, I know. 38 minus 13. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Hold up. Wait, Hang on. Let me get my phone. 38 minus 13. <laughs> seven, six, five. Okay. 25, 25. <laughs> okay. I was 25. Okay. I was a baby still, still yeah. quite honestly. Oh I was God. a baby. I was little, Yeah,
0: <laughs> but so many, I mean, you started, you started carrying this burden at seven years old. Yeah. So it's a long, oh it's so long that you've been, that you were doing that being somebody who I was there. Like yeah. I witnessed it. I experienced it. Like mm-hmm. I know you 100% like carried that burden of making sure that mom was okay and that everybody loved mom mm-hmm. and everybody like accepted her. Like I, I saw it firsthand. So yeah. I, I'm witness. I, I know, <laughs> I know that burden you carried.
2: It was definitely the beginning of me changing me. Um, and yeah, from seven to 25, I was the same person. Um, did you ever have any more scary
1: moments like that where she said something or did something that sent you into a panic? Like, Oh no, she's not okay. I've got to fix this.
2: It was constant. I don't know that there was like a specific thing. I really took it on as like a job, a chore, a responsibility to save her. And so I guess it was constant. There wasn't like a specific thing, but it was constant. Mm -hmm. Uh, so not really, but yes, because it just became who I was. It was what I did almost daily.
0: You were tuned into her insecurities. So you knew exactly what was hurting her, what was all of it. And yes. so that. Triggering her. What was triggering her. So that when that happened, you needed to, you felt like it was your responsibility to step in. 100%. And over that.
2: I would always, I would. Call family and say, What are you thinking of, mom? Are you going to be at this holiday? Are you going to be at Christmas? Are you because I knew it would affect my mom, and so I would make sure everybody was there and present and available for my mom, and it was quite honestly exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did
1: she? So she ended up staying, yes, but what happened?
2: And did she ever apologize or no. talk to you guys about it? Or mm-hmm. No, she didn't. Um, it's funny because, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead. Yeah, it's okay. Because this is where this year has taken me, and it actually has healed me from that experience from my mom, and it's made me open my eyes to what it really was because I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what was happening. I just knew something was wrong.
1: And at any moment, mom could walk out the door. At
2: any moment.
1: And you had to, everybody had to make sure she was okay or she would leave all of us. Yes,
2: that's exactly it. And so letting go of her and then this next journey of my life has brought me to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I first had to let go of her and let go of trying to make sure she was okay so that I could finally go on my little journey mm-hmm. of finding me. Yeah. And... Uh, it's been a long one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, so fast forward, I guess, to, it was seven years ago. I had up to that point, I had done all the Mormon things, the cooking, the cleaning, the being the mom, the being the stay at home mom doing everything that I was supposed to do according to what Mormon standards are.
1: I have a, just a quick question about that because you've adopted your children, right? Right. So when, when it wasn't working out to have kids with Mark, did you feel like
2: I was a failure? Yeah. Yeah. I felt, Mm -hmm. um, it was, it consumed me honestly and Carrie can vouch mm-hmm. for that because I would call her almost daily and tell her how hard it was yeah. that I couldn't be a mom.
0: You wanted to bear children so desperately bad.
2: And I, and I instead of enjoying life at that time, I was obsessed with becoming a mom because of what the religion taught me to be. It was like you, you grow up, you get married young, you have babies young. And that's what you're supposed to do as a woman. Right. And it was so hard because I was failing. I had spent all of these years trying to please my mom. And she was very religious and very Mormon. And all of a sudden I was failing. Everybody. Everybody and myself. And all of a sudden I didn't know what I was supposed to do, who I was supposed to be, where I was supposed to even go because religion taught that this is what you're supposed to do. Multiply and replenish. Yeah.
1: So how did you feel when people asked, are you guys going to have kids? Are you thinking about starting a family when you guys can have kids?
2: I would cry. Um, Wouldn't you be angry too? I mean, I, I would w- be angry. I was. And, you know, there was times We're where I'm like, you have no right to even ask yeah. that question. Right. Honestly. Because... Women that are struggling with fertility, it is so hard in and of itself. It's a hard thing. And at some point you have to either accept it and just go with the flow or succumb to it and be totally immersed in it in that it's just, it kills you. Honestly, it does because you become so obsessed with become being a mom (laughs) that you lose yourself in it Mm -hmm. instead of just enjoying life you do and I wish if I could have gone back Mm -hmm. if I could go back right now to who I am right now I would have enjoyed my time
0: yeah That's, uh, that's actually what I wanted to kind of touch on because there's some women who are not super religious, so they don't have that religious, religious aspect to it where, you know, they feel this pressure that they have to do this. They just want it. Yeah. Like they just, they just desperately want to have a child, but Mm -hmm. they just are in a position where medically it's just not happening. So I love that you offered that, that perspective to it because it really can consume you and you're so obsessed with what you're wanting in the future that you're missing just where (laughs) you are in the present and being able to just enjoy where you are and just know that like, it's going to work out. Because I mean, like your, your children are Yes, biologically not your children, but oh my, like they look like you guys, mm-hmm. they act like you guys, like nobody would even think that they were adopted. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I I I forget, and I know, <laughs> like I was there for the adoptions, like I was I was very intimately a part of that, and mm-hmm. I see Raya and Eli, and I just think that, well, yeah, that's. Ashley's kids, like, you know, they just so you know, now you're here and it's like, wow, I can't believe that you know, there was a time where I was so desperately wanting to be able to experience this and now now you have these children. So to be able to give women who are in this position of infertility and just desperately wanting children to be able to just just be be where you are. One hundred percent. If literally if
2: I could go back to that time, I would have enjoyed life. Yeah. I would have been able to just let go and say, what is meant to be is meant to be. Because 100% my kids are mine. Yes, They were supposed to be mine. Absolutely. And the timing was what the timing was. Whether I wanted it to be five years earlier or five years later, it was what it was. I wished I would have traveled more. Mm -hmm. I wished I would have let go. I wished I would have enjoyed life. I wished I would have pursued my career. Mm -hmm. I wished, I wished, I wished. Instead, I was obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. Mm -hmm. Because there are women that I have talked to that say it's only been a year that I've been trying. If you want a baby, it's hard. Mm -hmm. That's it. It doesn't matter whether it's been 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. It doesn't matter. It's hard. When there is, as we as women, when there is this desire to be a mother in you Mm -hmm. and it doesn't happen, it hurts. And you think something's wrong with you. Something must be
1: wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a defect. And it's
2: scary. And in your mind, you think, oh my God, is it going to take 10 years? Mm -hmm. Is it going to take five years? Is it
0: ever going to have a child? Exactly.
2: And I would have conversations with Mm -hmm. Carrie about, I don't know, I, you know, maybe I need to accept that I'm never going to be a mother, but it is in me. I want to be a mother. I want to experience that. And it hurts. It hurts. It hurts when you want something so bad and it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's love, whether it's motherhood, Mm -hmm. whether it's owning a business and making it happen. It hurts when it doesn't happen. It's Mm -hmm. hard. It's so fucking hard. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the reality of it. But it doesn't matter if it's 30 days, 60 days. You know, there's no time limit on when it's hard. There literally isn't.
1: But I can imagine becoming more and more obsessed as the days go on, because mm-hmm. that's what I was checking fertility friend, reading everyone's posts, Yes, you years. know, day after day. And the the more days went on, the more I was like checking my own fertility and taking a trillion pregnancy tests. And I, I mean, for someone to have gone through that for years, I can see how it's life consuming.
2: Yeah, it took me it took me five years Um, Mark and I did a lot of research. We did fertility and quite honestly, it got to a point where I knew I was just done with fertility, that there needed to be something else for me because I wasn't okay with doing in vitro and, um, my kids are literally miracles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) their stories and how our lives collided is literally a miracle. I had to have a hysterectomy at 32 years old, which is super young. Why? Um, So I had endometriosis and my body just could not get pregnant. It couldn't. It was a mess, honestly. And when I had my hysterectomy, it was extremely emotional for oh, me yeah, absolutely, because I was young mm-hmm. and I knew that having a hysterectomy, I was going to be going through menopause super young, way younger than most women. I had maybe five years before I went through menopause after my hysterectomy, which meant Guess what? I'm going through menopause <laughs> at Before 38 40s, years old. Yeah. I'm going through menopause. Mm-hmm. I am literally going through menopause right mm-hmm. now. Um but in doing and going through and talking to my doctor who was amazing. She doing surgery and looking at my body intimately, looking at my body intimately on like an internal way, said you would have never been able to have a child. Mm. Your body is shaped differently. Never would you have been able to bear a child. And she also informed me that I had a lot of miscarriages Mm. (laughs) because of... How used and abused my uterus was, mm. um that I had been pregnant many, many, many times mm. in my life, and I didn't know it because of endometriosis, mm. because endometriosis hides a lot of painful periods, a lot of even miscarriages, because that's normal. Mm-hmm and um it's exhausting <laughs> to see it, what's normal to one person isn't normal to mm-hmm. another but abnormal periods, heavy periods, painful periods mm-hmm. miscarriages were normal to me. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly didn't know that that was not normal. Right. And so mm. um She, she had actually, my doctor had brought in a, another surgeon because when they were doing my hysterectomy, they were scared that the endometriosis had attached to my bladder Mm. and a normal doctor can't do
0: Mm.
2: a surgery on a bladder because it's very complicated and they can rupture something and literally ruin your life. So She was scared like a pee bag. Yeah. A (sighs) pee bag. Yeah. So she had brought in another surgeon in fear of that's what had happened Mm -hmm. to me, that the endometriosis had attached to my bladder and it was going to be a complicated surgery. And this other doctor that had come in when she opened me up and was doing my hysterectomy, (laughs) he said, how many babies has this woman had? And she's like zero. Wow. And he was like, she looks like she's had a lot wow. of babies. My uterus was used and abused mm-hmm. through years of me not knowing or accepting what had happened to my body. And I had had so many babies. Mm-hmm. That I had lost so many babies. And I didn't even know it.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And after my hysterectomy, my doctor had told me this experience that she had with him. It was new and rare for both of them, honestly. And I asked her what that meant. And she said, it means you've been pregnant a lot. Hmm. And on top of going through a hysterectomy at 32, I also had to mourn the fact that I had lost a lot of babies. Hmm. And it was so hard. It was a blow. A
0: big blow. Wow, we could do a whole podcast yeah. on, <laughs> yeah. on just infertility. Yeah. And like this is just this is just blowing my mind because so many women have this pain so of, of just never being able to bear a child or just that fear of never being able to bear a child and endometriosis, and just, I mean, and miscarriage just and that loss, miscarriages yeah. and
2: oh. it's exhausting. And you, I wish if I could have gone back that I could have just accepted what was
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's where I'm at even now in my life that I could have just accepted what was, you know, my body from my past experiences, from honestly, my sexual (laughs) abuse Mm -hmm. as a little girl was rejecting and struggling Mm. with bearing a child. And in my mind, that's honestly what happened that I couldn't bear a child because I was struggling so bad. And at the same time, I think that there's beauty in it because I think there's so many, like my little babies, (laughs) they were supposed to be mine. I was supposed to do adoption. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to, hold my birth mother's legs Mm. while they were giving birth to my babies. I was supposed to connect with them on a level that they felt comfortable enough to ask me to be there when my babies were born. Everything in my life has happened for a reason. Mm -hmm. Everything. And... Despite the heartache and the hurt from not being able to be pregnant. I was also supposed to adopt. I know it in my core. In my deepest core, like my soul. My babies were supposed to be mine. And I was supposed to do everything I did to get where I am and to get them in my life. And their birth mothers chose me on a deep intimate soul connection level. They did. Because it was instant that they fell in love with me and I fell in love with them. And do you have contact with them? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Both awesome. of them. Will always. I know where they are. I will always know where they are. Mm -hmm. There is this deep love for them. My kids know I have a deep love for them. I talk to them on a very intimate,
0: deep level about their birth mothers and their birth families, honestly. Um, It's beautiful. It's beautiful that you're so open with your children so that... There is no surprise or there is no like feeling of betrayal because you're completely and totally open and honest with them. And I actually have met both of the birth mothers. You have. Yeah. Um, And it was so, so beautiful and painful (laughs) to watch when you adopted Eli, your first. I was there when... Um, when the birth mother handed him over to you, it was such a spiritual <laughs> and painful experience to watch her selfishness of handing him over to you. Sorry, yes, selfless. Thank you. Selfless. <laughs> 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 mm. The selflessness of her handing him over to you. Mm. And then just that feeling of conflict between us on the other side of like, this is so beautiful and this is so amazing, but so painful to watch us and just I how do we, how do we express our joy when these people are feeling so much pain, Mm -hmm. the birth mother and the, and the grandparents and, and, uh, or the, you know, adopted grandparents And, and to watch that, it was just such a conflict of emotions and it was just such a sacred experience mm-hmm. to, to be able to witness. And I felt so incredibly honored to be able to be a part of that <laughs> and to watch that, watch that experience between you and the birth mother of just so much appreciation from your side of Oh my god, you're making me a mother. 100. And thank you so much. Yeah. Like and that, you know, and just seeing her pain and then seeing your joy and just that mix of the two together was just so beautiful. And um and just seeing where Eli is now and just knowing <laughs> that like absolutely he was supposed to be with your family. But like that there was a there was a sacrifice that was made. 100% on both sides. And, yes.
2: You know, it's funny because adopting both of my kids, there was this intense pain and this intense joy on the same day. And yes. it is undescribable unless you are the person going through it. Because here you are being this mom that has wanted to be a mom for so long and all of a sudden you become a mom but at the same moment there's somebody that's sacrificing and giving up something so huge that it's painful Yeah. it was painful to walk away from their birth moms mm-hmm. it was the most painful painful thing I've ever done because I was so happy, but I was so sad. And I don't even know how to describe the two emotions mixed in the same moment. It's crazy, but it happens. My kids have two moms, literally have two moms and I am their second mom in a way. But When I overcame the fear of that, there is a love and a deep appreciation for the birth mom and what they gave me and what they offered me. Because being in a delivery room with a birth mom is first of all, very unusual. Yeah. Second of all, being an adoptive mom Holding a birth mom's leg (laughs) while she is pushing twice with two different birth moms is extremely rare. It doesn't happen, but it's my story. Mm -hmm. And I got to hold and push (laughs) for both of my (laughs) kids' birth moms. And I was the first one that got to see him born. Mm. I was the first one that got to see their head crown. Mm. And they allowed me to be the first one to give them a bath. Both of them. And that is extremely unusual. <laughs> but I feel blessed in that. Mm. I do. And there is a deep love and appreciation for them for giving that to me so beautiful it is and I adore 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 <laughs> my kids birth families all of them not even just their birth moms but their grandparents and their birth fathers and quite honestly one of the hardest things this year has been that Eli's birth dad died hmm And we are super open with our kids about adoption. And we brought him out and told him because his birth grandmother told me that he died from a stroke. And at a super young age. The reality of it is, is Eli will never get to meet him. Yeah. And I am excited for my kids to meet their birth families. I have held contact with them because it's something that's important to me because I want them to be able to have that experience, whether they want it or not. It's theirs. It's not mine. I don't get to decide whether that's something they want or not, but I want them to have it easily accessible. Mm -hmm.
0: Have that option.
2: I do. And I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to go with it mm-hmm. <laughs> and let them decide if that's something that they
0: want. It's beautiful. That's unconditional love yeah. because
1: a lot of... It's the most, one of the most amazing no. lessons that you can give them, not just the access to their birth parents, but the fact that you are telling them that the more people that love you, the better. Mm-hmm. There's no lack here. It's exactly. all coming from a place of abundance. There's it's- no lack. I don't have to like try and hold your love no. and not let You're it go mine. just no. in case no, you no, love no. someone more. It's the more people that love you and support you, the better. And that's what I want for
2: you. It's that is exactly where I'm at. And it took me a long time to get here. Yeah. It was not easy. There is a lot of insecurity in being an adoptive mother. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know that every adoptive mother has that insecurity because you didn't connect with the baby in the womb as much as you wanted to, you didn't. And so there is an insecurity with that, but if you can let it go and let your kids just be what your kids are supposed to be and let them explore what they are supposed to explore, there is so much love and appreciation, first of all, from them And honestly, their birth families, because their birth families, it's so painfully hard to let them go. It is so hard. I have seen over the years as I've opened up to my kids, as I've talked to them more and more about their birth families, that they are so curious and it's natural. Mm -hmm. It is so natural. I can't take that from them, and I shouldn't. I should support them in it, because they want it. They want to know. Yeah, and we want
0: to know where we came from.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. We all do. And so I guess you just get to be like a hand that helps them along their way, mm-hmm. you know? And they get to figure out them. They get to figure out their background. They get to figure out their heritage. They get to figure out why they have brown eyes or dark skin or whatever it is that they need to figure out. And I just get to be a helping hand in that. That's it. And I get to love them extra. I get to be um, another mom for them. And how bad asset it is it that your kids get two moms? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Seriously. I think we all need two moms. <laughs> yeah. Three, four, five. I am five. not kidding <laughs> you. Yeah. My kids get to have two moms. And I accept and welcome
1: that. I think that's one of the most beautiful things that you give your children and such a beautiful metaphor of parenting in any aspect, in any relationship, is allowing them to be who they are and go on their path. I totally. know as a mom who's been divorced and um, my ex-husband's remarried, I went through a time where I was so afraid of Mm -hmm. losing them somehow on some Mm -hmm. level emotionally, and then had to come to a place where I accepted that these are not just my children. Yeah, They have their own path and I'm just here to love them. And if there's other people that are going to come into their life and Mm -hmm. love them, then that is all the better because I only want the best for them. And if there's other people coming in to help them on their way, then mm-hmm. thank God for that. Yes. And Ex- that's a blessing. Exactly. But it takes a while to get there. And but there's such freedom in that. And I think such a blessing to your kids because they see the world with a sense of love and wonder and abundance
2: instead mm-hmm. of lack and scarcity. Exactly. And I don't think any child adult should be limited to mm-hmm. who we allow right. into our lives. Exactly, I completely agree. It's, there are so many people that need to play a role in our lives. Why should we take that from mm-hmm. them? Honestly. So we're going to jump ahead now. Okay. to where
1: you left us before I <laughs> diverted you off of your That's path, okay. your chronological yeah, way, path. Way, way off. I know.
0: It was beautiful though. Yeah, it was I perfect. Because like yeah. I ops, I, I. it's interesting to see how our podcasts go because sometimes they go on a whole different tangent than Completely. where we were kind of expecting it to go. Yeah. And so I absolutely believe that whatever wherever our conversation goes it's 100% inspired and guided so yeah. Yeah. there is a reason why we spent so much time on adoption i feel it and i think that it's beautiful because yeah. there are women who really ache like their hearts ache with so much pain around this particular subject mm-hmm. and i felt so, that yeah <laughs> and that's that's why summer and i like we we let this go in this direction because i feel like this was absolutely 100% necessary that mm-hmm. we discuss this, yeah. that this is something that there are, there are women out there that really need to hear this story. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to your relationship with mom. Like where oh. you're at that place in Utah where yeah. you're like, you stepped you know off what? the scale. Yeah, yeah, you stepped on the scale and you're like, I'm done. I can't keep holding this burden of making sure that mom's okay. Yeah. So let's go back to that.
2: So that was, that was a big moment in my life. I, at that moment, I became somebody that owned me, I guess, in a little way, in a very small way. And I decided that I was my own self, that I wasn't owned by a religion, that I wasn't owned by a belief that I didn't have to be or do and it was small. It was yeah, very, very small. You were still Mormon it was for a, a while. Very, that. very Mormon for a long time after that. Yeah, but a little ch- spark, was. a <laughs> little, little itty bitty smart spark. Yes, and I decided that I was going to eat good. That mm-hmm. I was going to change, and I started to change. I started mm-hmm. eating good. I started exercising, we moved back to Arizona. My sister Mm -hmm. actually got me into a gym for the first time in my entire life, which is crazy that she's a personal trainer now. (laughs) And at that time she was not at all. And she introduced me to it. I lost weight and people were actually tearing me down because I was losing weight. They were telling me I had an eating disorder, which I did not. I have never, I've never been in that space, but I respect it and I get it. And there's this like love and sadness for it because I watched mm-hmm. my sister go through it.
0: Yeah. When people do things like that, especially when you're not in that space, it's out of their own fears. Fears. Agree. Yeah. And their own insecurities. Yeah. And And,
2: the, and people were telling me I was mm-hmm. anorexic and that I was having a problem. And reality was I wasn't... I was just finding me. That's it. I was literally, I went from sitting on the couch holding my babies because I was a Mormon mom that felt like I couldn't fail my kids because I wanted to be a mom so bad. And they were crying that I wouldn't shower until my husband came home and I wouldn't get off the couch without holding them all day long. And so I was eating Snicker after Snicker after Snicker after <laughs> Snicker after, Snicker, after <laughs> Snicker. I love Snickers. I would literally eat a fucking bag of fun size Snickers <laughs> in one <laughs> sitting. Not so fun size. <laughs> fun size. That's a lot of Snickers, though. That's a lot <laughs> of you Snickers. You eat a whole bag of Snickers I in did, a sitting? I did your peppermint patties. That was my. That was my I did Snickers, <laughs> and I would I would eat like three bowls of cereal. In a sitting. I was eating constantly. I was,
0: I was eating yeah, my numbing. life away. Yeah.
2: yeah. Because I didn't have anything else. Yeah. Fast forward. <laughs> I stopped eating so much. And then we moved back to Arizona. And my sister Carrie mm-hmm. introduced me to working out. And, and I started feeling more confident in me. And I went from... This baggy shirt, baggy sweat, Mormon mom <laughs> that sat on the couch and ate Snickers all day, <laughs> one size <laughs> <laughs> to working out to not eating sweets. I wasn't hiding anymore. Hmm.
1: So many, yes, yeah, so many of us are hiding mm-hmm. behind
2: weight. Okay. Yeah, I'm and. I came out of my feeling, I guess, stuck. I was stuck. I was stuck in being a Mormon. I was stuck in being a Mormon mom. I was stuck in being a stay-at-home mom. I was stuck in running errands and cooking
0: and cleaning and being the perfect mom. Yeah. These, i these like, basically ideals of how mm-hmm. you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be, and that's yeah. just never attainable.
2: No, no. I felt so stuck and so felt like I had to control my emotions in my marriage that there was a moment that I went and I punched a wall because I was so mad. I was so mad and I broke my hand Mm -hmm. because I hit a stud Mm -hmm. and I felt stuck in my marriage. This is going to be extremely obvious that I'm fucked up (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I broke my hand. And I have a little baby, and I'm a Mormon mom. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm just
0: perfect. And Mormon I'm
2: supposed mom. to be okay. And I am
0: so not
2: okay. I punched a wall because I was stuck.
0: You're and so you're so full of just extreme emotions that you did not know what to do with Mm -hmm. it. It It was so bottled. It was like basically like a shooken up soda can (laughs) that like, uh, you know, all you do is just like pull the, you know, pull the top and all of a sudden it just explodes out. Totally. That's where you were.
2: I was. And I exploded. I mean, I was at that time, honestly, I'll tell you, I was having an emotional affair. I was done with my marriage. I was hurt. My husband had never been there for me emotionally. And I was searching for something emotional. Mm -hmm. I was longing for somebody Mm -hmm. to just connect with me emotionally. And it hurt so Mm -hmm. bad. Because I had gotten my entire marriage from this little seven-year-old that tried to save my mom (laughs) to this married woman (laughs) That tried to save my husband
1: mm-hmm.
2: and tried to be there emotionally for somebody that couldn't be there for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I failed. No. At that point, I was failing because I wasn't saving him. He wasn't being there for me. I wasn't being there for him. We were, it was awful. It's impossible. It and is. You cannot
0: save someone. You cannot. No. All you can be is inspiration. Totally it. That's it. You That's can it. only be inspiration. So One, you are trying to be and do something that is just not possible. It
2: was like a wake up call for me that my life's on this crazy track. I punched a wall, broke my hand. I'm fucked up. I'm literally.
1: If you don't learn enough from a relationship, you will repeat yes. that relationship. 100%. Just with a different
2: face. This whole experience has been breaking a cycle. Mm -hmm. And it's been breaking a generational cycle. But Mark and I thought we worked through that. You know, we tried to be okay with each other. We tried to be in love. We tried to all of those things. And he was too broken and I was too broken. And that's the reality of it. And I, I won't play a victim in it was all him because I was completely broken too. I was. I had been sexually molested as a little girl for a lot of years. My mom was going to kill herself at seven years old. And I was the one to stop it without knowing. There was so many things. When and then, you were
0: seven, she was going to kill herself? Yeah. That, that experience that she talked about in the beginning... We ended up finding out that that's actually when she was going to kill herself, and she actually tried. Oh my kill herself god! Multiple times.
2: The the night I woke up, like my first. So she day wasn't just going
1: to walk out the door. No, she no. was going to walk out the door and kill herself. She was
2: going to kill herself. Oh my
1: god!
0: And and I was the one to stop, stop it.
1: Oh my god
0: so going back to that ash actually like let's let's talk about your healing around that because there there might be some women that Ugh. are watching us that or listening to this that uh, that have that relationship with their mom where they feel this absolute 100% responsibility mm. for their mom's well-being summer <laughs> yeah. just raised her hand. okay <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm glad <laughs> you're not alone ash yeah um yeah. so like how how did you get from that place you you talked about in Utah you had this kind of feeling of that letting go of yeah. letting go to i mean that was how many years ago to where you are now so let's talk about like that point that point where you go okay i can't do this anymore i cannot keep holding mom's burden i can't keep having this responsibility of making sure that she's okay to where you are now like let's talk about
2: that god that's so huge because a lot of it was breaking away from my marriage yeah, I was because, just gonna
1: say, when did you realize
2: Mark was your mom? Yeah. Oh no, he was yeah. completely my mom. Mm. It was literally this year. Mm. So <laughs> literally this year, and it was in a breathwork session mm. with Carrie. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy, and cool.
0: Yeah, and, and beautiful. So cool. beautiful. Perfect. Like oh, gosh, I
2: don't so even. Perfect. It's insane. Somebody honestly. Was there. Yeah. Honestly, you were, <laughs> yeah, and but then it, and then, then it's in her just, work. Yeah. yeah, but then it's just progressed from there. Anyway, so, yeah. um, my realizing mm. that mm. I was in the same mm. relationship that my dad was in mm. with my mom mm-hmm. was in a breathwork session mm.
0: with my sister. It's mm-hmm. huge. So you are dad. I am dad. You are dad. In my
2: breathwork mm. session. I saw my dad the day that I was standing in front of the door with my arms crossed Mm -hmm. across the door and my feet crossed. And all I saw that day as a little girl was my mom. And I wanted to save my mom. And then I did this breathwork session with my sister. And I saw my dad for the first time. And he was exhausted. He was done. He couldn't do it. He couldn't save my mom. He had tried to for years and years and years, and he was done. And that night, I saved my mom from killing herself. I took on my dad's exhaustion. Mm. And saved my mom. Mm. And then... The reality of it came and the breath work session came as I was in the same relationship my dad was in with my
1: mom. So you saw Mark and you thought, oh, this feels familiar.
2: Yeah, Mark, I was saving him. This feels familiar. Yeah. It must be love. And it went from me seeing my dad being exhausted to trying to save my mom. To me being exhausted. To Eli, my son, my 13-year-old son, trying to save me Mm. in my marriage.
0: Isn't that interesting, the cycle? It is crazy.
2: Mm -hmm. Because Mark lost it one night. And this is why I'm getting divorced. (laughs) This is why I'm done. This is why I have power in being done. Mm. Is that I saw my son taking on the same role I took on Mm. as a seven-year-old little girl Mm. with me. Mm, That's amazing. So beautiful. He saved me on a night that I was done. Mm -hmm. And it is not his responsibility. It was not my responsibility as a seven-year-old little girl. It was not. But I did it. And it is not my son's responsibility to save me. It is mine, solely mine. Mm -hmm. I save me. I save me, not my kids, not my kids. They don't have the responsibility to take my husband off of me, trying to take everything, every protection from me to save me. It's not theirs. It's mine. I am the adult, not them.
0: So I want to honor you in that experience right now because not very many people have that awareness Mm -hmm. and experience where they can see the burden that they're putting on other people. Mm -hmm. So in your case, your children, and be able to take ownership of it and change it Mm -hmm. and transmute it into something beautiful and to be able to shift it and to be able to make it to where this is it. This is done. It's yeah. not happening anymore. Ancestral. This is not going to continual. And this is not going to continue. No more Ancestral. generations. No more pain. No more. Yeah. You're done. It's done. Like you have, you now see, you are now aware of it and mm-hmm. you see the pain that it has caused. And who knows how long this has gone in our family. <laughs> like we don't know. Uh, we do know that, you know, to our grandma for sure. And who knows how far (laughs) past that, that it has been going on with as far as marriages of Mm -hmm. children that have had to step in and help. Mm -hmm. And so you now see that and you're stopping it. Mm -hmm. So I want to honor you in that Mm -hmm. because that is extremely powerful and extremely hard because you could easily just stay where you are because it's safe. And it's familiar. it's familiar. It's familiar. It's not healthy. It's not happy. It doesn't make you feel happy. You're not happy where you are no. or where you have been. No. But you see that this is not healthy and this is not where I want to be. And this is not what I want to have my children experience anymore. So I'm mm. done. Yeah, not this doing is, this
1: anymore. This is not my highest and best self. This is not the highest and best self of my children or no. or of Mark, of no. anybody.
2: No. And And honestly, for me... So Mark and I were separated for a year and there was this, like I put on him to get divorced. I put on him to make it final. And then, because I was too scared to do it yourself. And we got back together. We tried to make it work and I'm like, it's me. I'm done. I own, I own me and I will not do this to my kids. I will not put that responsibility on them. My mom and my dad put it on me. Mm-hmm. They did not they stop. Just, they allowed you to take it. Mm-hmm. They They're did. Like, oh, thank goodness. Someone's yes. going to fix mom. Okay. Yes. Cause no. your dad
1: was exhausted. He's like, oh, all right, Ashley, you're going to be in charge now. Yes. Thank goodness.
2: Yeah. You're seven. Take, take it on. Yeah. yeah. No. Go ahead. No. Yeah. And in my breath work session, I saw me as a seven year old taking on my mom for my dad. And then I also saw Eli taking on me. It was so profound. Beautiful. And it was painful because I yeah. would never right. want anybody to have to go yeah. through what I went through at a seven year old. I'd never. I would never want my kids to have to take that on. And my thirteen year old son had to take my husband off of me. Literally. And safety. Pull me him me. off of you. And choke him out. And have him drag him across the house to save me. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I, my 11-year-old daughter had to call the police. And I could have continued that. Mm -hmm. But I will not ever. Because it is not theirs. Mm -hmm. It is mine. And I will end (laughs) Mm -hmm. what has happened from generation to generation to generation in my family. It has happened and it continues to happen. And I will not do it. I will not allow my kids to carry that burden because it is not theirs. I carried it and I carried it and I carried it.
0: It's time to put it down. You know the weight. You know what it feels like.
2: Done. I will not let
1: them. It's so amazing and incredible and beautiful and profound and life-changing for so many people involved. Yeah. And not involved. Yeah. Your this one decision Mm -hmm. has more cosmic significance than you have any idea. It's a ripple effect.
0: It's going to affect so many people on levels that you will have never any idea. Of how much it affects them. Yeah. So how did you get to a place where you were able to release that responsibility of mom?
2: First of all, I had to leave the Mormon church. That was my first step. Second of all, I had to find my love for myself. Mm. And I had to go on this crazy confidence journey mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't beat myself down anymore. Mm, wow. Wow. Because daily, my thoughts were 100% negative about Mm -hmm. myself. And then it went from that to starting my business, which is like a whole different story, Mm -hmm. and gaining confidence in I'm not a stay-at-home mom anymore. I can own a business, and I can be successful Mm -hmm. at it. (laughs) To being successful at a business... And having a husband that tore me down daily mm. in my business. He would stand behind me and tell me what I was doing wrong. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Every day. All day.
0: Yeah, it's out of fear. It's out of fear of losing you.
2: Yeah. He sense. was so insecure with the thought of losing me. Mm-hmm. And me gaining confidence in myself yeah. that he would stand behind me and I would hold a nail gun up to a piece of wood. And he'd tell me how I was doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And he'd tell me that I was not good enough and that I couldn't do it. And he was beating me down daily. And I'm like, fucking, I'm going to do this fucking mm-hmm. shit. Don't <laughs> fuck with me. Mm-hmm.
1: Good for you. Cause that's a power play. He wants to feel more powerful. 100%. And you're yeah. like,
2: fuck you. I've got my own power. Yeah. I actually was on antidepressants at that time because there was not, probably maybe a month before that, I was thinking of taking my life. Mm. And my husband had never supported me in getting help, ever. I begged and pleaded, and he never supported me. And there was a moment I walked into his homework office and I said, listen, You're not going to have me if I don't get help right now. I have to go and I have to get on something. I need a moment to just breathe. Mm -hmm. And I went into my doctor's office and I was bawling. And I'm like, I need something. I'm depressed. I'm so sad. I want to die. And she put me on some strong something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in my head, I said, I'm giving myself six months. And I'm going to figure my fucking shit out. That's it. I have six months to be on this. I'm going to figure it out. And in that time, my husband was bantering and beating on me. Mm. And I was also trying to find myself. And I knew I didn't have a lot of time to figure it out. But I went on what I call my confidence journey and I created a fear bucket list. I created a bucket list of things that scared the fucking shit out of me. And I'm like, I'm doing them. And I made a vision board. And I'm like, I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna change what my life has always been. And it's been a life of fear. And being owned and controlled and a life of Mormonism Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a life of trying to make everybody happy. And now it's about me. And so I created my vision board and I created my fear bucket list and I'm like, God, I'm knocking it off. I'm going to change the way I feel about myself Mm -hmm. because my thoughts were 100% negative negative. About myself every day, I didn't have a single ounce of positive thought about myself in any twenty-four hour period of time, and I would lay in bed and go, "I'm a failure as a mother. I'm a failure as a wife. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm, a failure. I'm never good enough.
0: It doesn't mm. matter what I do.
2: I'm never so good crazy." Enough. Is
0: that? Summer and I both know you, obviously I know you super, super personally, but like Summer knows you really well as well. And we both see you as somebody who just excels in Mm. so many things and shines (laughs) from the inside out. So what's so, what's so amazing about this is that so many women Mm. are out there And they're excelling in so many things. And so many women are looking up to them. Oh my God. And they're seeing them as this powerful (sighs) woman. And they're just seeing them as like, man, if I could only be like Mm -hmm. this woman. But yet, when they're in themselves and Mm -hmm. when they're alone with themselves, they are in their own personal hell. Totally. And they hate themselves. Totally. And they are constantly beating themselves up. 100. And they're just in this place of just total despair and depression and just complete and total hell. Mm-hmm. I was there. Yeah. I was
2: literally there. I was a hermit. <laughs> I could barely go to the grocery store and be around anybody, even in a grocery store. I was scared. And then I started my business. I started succeeding. I started my vision board. I started my fear bucket list and I'm like, fucking, I started doing mirror work and I started looking at myself Mm -hmm. and I started changing the way I thought about me. Mm. And nobody, nobody could do it but me. I had to be the one. I had to be the one, the way that I thought of me, despite what my husband was saying, despite what I thought everybody else thought about me, Mm -hmm. it was me. And I had to look at me and say, I love you for everything you have gone through. For everything life has thrown at you. I love you. And I had to lay down at night and go, you're a fucking badass wife. You're a badass mom. You can own a business. You can do this. And you have it. And I had to write down every negative thought I had about myself to acknowledge that I was even thinking negatively Mm -hmm. about myself because I didn't realize it. I didn't know because it was so me. I was thinking negative about me every day, all day. And it was just who I was. And when I started acknowledging that I was thinking negatively about me, that I had to change that, that I changed. And when I started writing down, you are a bad mom. You are failing at this. You are a bad wife. You are at this. Then I could start changing how I thought about myself Mm -hmm. because every negative thing I thought about myself, I had to write something positive about myself three times. Over. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you come up with this?
2: That's yeah. So You're, <laughs> beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: So beautiful. And there's so, oh my, there's so much power in that, and that's so like that's, so oh inspired. like I can't I can't even get over how beautiful that is mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot out there that, and I actually kind of fell victim to it of like constantly trying to focus on like what I wanted and mm-hmm. trying to like basically like. Um, avoid or like not even acknowledge what I was actually thinking mm-hmm. and that was the negative but really like there's so much power in actually acknowledging it mm-hmm. totally and meeting it with love yeah totally like you need to just okay no this is this is where I am yeah this is how I feel yes and that's okay it's okay now I'm going to I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to be there yeah and now I'm going to meet it with love yes and now what yeah now what do we do with that
2: we change it it's beautiful and that's what we do we change it in our heads we go fucking bitch you (laughs) want to fight me yeah (laughs) (laughs) because you're not gonna win yeah because I am this and I am this and I am this And I am. And you fake it. Literally, I faked it until I made it. Mm -hmm. I would tell myself and I would look at myself and say, I love you. And I would look at myself and I wouldn't love me. But I would tell myself I loved Mm -hmm. me. And I would look at myself and I'd say, you are a good mom. But I didn't believe I was a good mom. Mm -hmm. And I would look at myself and I would say, you are a good wife but I wouldn't believe I was a good wife. And then it changed. I looked at myself and I'm like, hmm, you are a good mom. You are a good wife. You are a good person. You are a good friend. You are, you are, you are, and I believe it. Mm -hmm. And I looked at me and I'm like, God, I love you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love you. I love you because you are. It's not that you are; you are, Mm -hmm. and I would lay down at at night, and instead of going, I fucking burnt the dinner. I fucking failed at this. I fucking did this. I did that. I did that wrong. I did that wrong. I did that. It went from that to going. You did this right. Mm -hmm. You did that right. You're good. You're beautiful. You're succeeding. You're making a business. You're Mm -hmm. making people happy. You're beautifying homes. You're this, you're that. And I literally do not lay down at night and have a negative thought about myself. Mm -hmm. Literally do not. I don't. It has been years since I've felt that way about myself. But it took so much mental training Mm -hmm. to stop because I had done it for so many years. And when I stopped, my life started changing. My business succeeded. I became confident in myself. I started realizing that my religion owned me and it shouldn't have that I had a right to believe how I believed, to be who I was despite what I was taught to be. Mm -hmm. And that was to be a stay-at-home mom that cooked and cleaned and did dishes and... Made casseroles and bread. Made casseroles and bread (laughs) and served at church. And Mm -hmm. that is not me. Mm -hmm. That is so far from who I am. We're not
0: cookie cutters. We are not cookie cookie cutters. cutters And that's... (laughs) Like that's so beautiful. They're yeah. so unique. Yeah. And that's like and that's super scary actually. Like honestly, Cookie Cutter feels very safe mm-hmm. because it's like you just know this yeah. is who I'm supposed to be. You don't actually have to think and feel into who you are supposed to be. Totally. And you I just that, are this. Yeah. You don't have period. To figure it out. Yeah. So I get it. I get it when people feel very safe being a certain way that's like, that's been, that's been basically programmed into them of how they're supposed to be. But God, they're missing out on so much Mm -hmm. on what they're like, the fulfillment of their life and the ability and what the impact that they're able to make in this life when they're able to actually feel into what does Carrie want? What does (laughs) Ashley want? What does Summer want? What, what fills our cup? Yeah.
1: I remember thinking one time, many times when people ask me, what
2: do you like to do? I, think, I, don't,
1: I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I like to do. Totally. What do I mean? What do I like to do? I just do what I'm supposed to do.
2: There was a night that I was struggling pretty bad and I was sad and I went into our closet And it was pitch black. And I said, how am I going to take my life? What do I need to do? Because I'm dead. I'm hurt. I don't know who I am. I'm lost. And my husband couldn't be there for me emotionally. And I thought, I'm going to give it one more try. And I went out of my closet and I was crying and bawling and begging Mark to be there for me and he couldn't. And I knew from my hysterectomy a year or two before, a year before, that I had a lot of pain piller- killers in my medicine cabinet. And Mark was sitting in our bed and I was in the bathroom and he was looking at me in the mirror and I opened the medicine cabinet. And I pulled out the painkillers and it was like my throat just opened up and I swallowed 30 pills in one swallow because I was done. I was a failure. And Mark came up behind me and he said, you're fucking stupid. What the fuck are you doing? You failed, you failed, you failed and all of these things that I uh, for years and years were just flooding into my head my kids flashed in front of me and I said I can't have to be there and I was trying to make myself throw up I was shoving milk down my throat mm-hmm. I was shoving salt down my throat I was doing everything to try to make myself throw up because I knew I was gonna die if I didn't throw up I had this person that I thought was supposed to love me, that I thought was supposed to support me, telling me how horrible I was, telling me what a failure I was, and reassuring me of all these thoughts that I had had about myself. And in a moment I said, I'm doing this for me, and I'm going to throw up, and I'm going to make my life change, and I'm going to change from now on. And I started throwing up and I was throwing up all these pills that I had swallowed. I had literally probably swallowed 30 pain pills that were heavy duty. And I got, there was a moment I'm like, I have to change me. That's it. I can't continue doing this. And I realized at that moment, my marriage was toxic. That somehow I had first broken away from a religion that owned me. And now I have to break away from my marriage.
0: You're almost kind of like going down the path of what mom did. Totally. Of just, you know, suicidal. I was. And victim. I was.
2: I was being mom. Yeah. And at the same time, my life switched and I became dad. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing the suicidal thing. I was doing the, I'm a victim. I was doing, I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. and beating myself down daily to changing that and then changing, I have to own me and I have to change me because nobody else can do it but me. It's me, solely me. I can be a victim and I can swallow the pills and I can kill myself and I can die and try to put that on everybody else, but it's me. Mm-hmm. I have to change me. And I did mom. I did mom. And then the last couple of years, I've done dad. Dad. And I was in an extremely toxic marriage, extremely toxic. And although I don't blame Mark because he came from a very traumatic childhood. super. And I honor and love him for what he went through as a kid. But at the same time, I also realize it's not something that I have to do. I don't have to try to carry him. It's his to own and work through.
0: It's impossible. It is.
2: And I went from sinking and my song being (laughs) that song that you played for me. Yes. Head above water. Mm -hmm. I literally felt like I was drowning. That I was carrying everybody to going. It's yours to carry. Mm -hmm. Mark gets to carry his shit. And I love him and I respect him. And I'm so sad that he had to go through what he had to go through. But it's not mine. And that is totally okay.
1: It's better than okay.
2: It is. But I am not a person that's like, you fucking bastard. Mm-hmm. You're this. No, he is hurt. hmm There was a point that I had to go, you're hurt and I'm hurt and I have to fix me and you have to fix you. This isn't healthy. And it's not healthy. So let me fix me. And there was a turning point in our marriage that I said, I'm done. I can't do it. And I let him go and it was exhausting. He tried to kill himself six times. In a year with me there jumping out of a truck at 80 miles an hour twice on the freeway, pulling a knife to his throat, a gun crashing his car into a cement pole and I <laughs> I had to be there and it hurt. it was so scary I would go And I have to tell myself if I come home, and I come home to a dead husband, I have to be okay with the fact that he killed himself. I had to watch six police officers take him down because he held a knife to his throat. And I was
0: scared, and I called the police. And we were in a public place. And to deal with that guilt of, should I have done it? And he was he was yelling from the cop
2: car. You betrayed me. You betrayed me. You turned against me.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every one of those times is trauma.
2: Yeah. And I they took him to a psych ward. <laughs> and I had to drive home from the mall to my house
0: bawling. Uncontrollably. I remember I was on the phone with you. You were and my
2: family had to come. And I, the moment I reached my door and I walked in my house, I fell to my knees. And I just sobbed because I was so scared. And he was so lost and so broken. And I wanted to save him, but I couldn't.
0: It was him that had to save him. So, what advice would you give somebody who really resonates with this? Either they have a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a husband, a, you know, somebody where they feel this obligation to save them. Like, what, what advice would you give them for somebody who, you know, you were that person that felt that responsibility of saving? people
2: the only person you can save is yourself and that is the reality of it you have to let go and you have to know that their journey is their journey and that's it my journey this year has been recovering from it and it has been exhausting and tiring and beautiful all Mm -hmm. in the same breath And there have been moments I felt like I was completely crazy, Mm -hmm. literally, to where I am now, and it is beautiful.
0: So where are you now? Like, there's you're just a completely different person who you were last year. Like, there's just such a different vibration and feel about you. Where it was last year, it was feeling of victim, and you know, like, why me? Yeah. Which justifiably, of course, (laughs) yes, of course, you like almost like entitled, like you should be able to wear that badge with pride, Mm -hmm. but yeah, but I don't want to exactly. Totally don't want to. You are now of just empowerment and inspiration. So like what got you from where you are last year to where you are now?
2: Fighting. That's it. Fighting for me. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you have is fighting for you and going, I'm going to be this and I'm going to heal and I'm going to make it through the shit. That's all you have.
0: What's some things that you did? So
2: I started with Reiki and hypnotherapy and it was so painful, so dark. Because healing is dark to begin with. Mm -hmm. Honestly, when you come from a dark space, healing is dark. And it seems almost impossible to get to a place of light. It does. And I remember my first Reiki session with Cassie. It was dark. I remember laying there and going, oh my God, I'm in a dark tunnel and there's no light. I don't know how to get out of here to then there being a peak of light from a peak of light to, Oh, I can like dance around my house naked <laughs> by myself <laughs> and drink some whatever yeah. and be super happy and look at myself and God, God, you are a badass. Yeah. Like I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can dance. I can love me. Yeah. I can have fun to then having actual relationships with friends and going out and enjoying my time out and loving me and just being carefree like that. Before I was, Mm -hmm. when I was seven years old, when I switched Mm -hmm. a flip and became this person that tried to save my mom, I all of a sudden became this before Mm seven-year-old could go and dance and have fun and be carefree and it is not beautiful the in between you know there's beautiful in dancing and dancing naked in your home Mm -hmm. (laughs) and going out with friends and enjoying that but there's a lot of hard in between all of that and there's a lot of looking at yourself and going can I do this there is and there's a lot of doubt and there's a lot of fear in facing it all. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of moments of going, I don't know, I think maybe I'm just too broken.
0: And then there's moments of hope and excitement and joy. As I look back on you know my story, when there's more space, yeah. in it, when I'm able to look back on it and reflect on it, those times that were so dark and so heavy and so painful, I now am able to look at it with so much appreciation and reverence on it.
2: You go from being in complete darkness to sunshine. Yeah. And it happens literally overnight.
0: And you have appreciation for the
2: darkness. Totally. And it's a love. Like, I love that moment as hard as Mm -hmm. that moment was. Yes. I look back and I'm like, God, I needed to open the door to darkness. I needed to open the door to what my reality was. And it was hard, but I accept it and I love it. And because I opened the door, now I have light. And I have this crazy, crazy amount of hope and this crazy, crazy amount of life. And this crazy, crazy amount of sunshine and rainbows in my Confidence. life that you look at life and you look at the world completely differently. You, I went from complete darkness to rainbows and sunshine. Mm-hmm. And if I look just a year ago to what my life was, it was fear and sadness and despair, and victim, and so many negative things, to beautiful, and happiness, and joy, and light, and rainbows, and I am so happy, I am, I am so happy, I found me, the me that was lost in all of that darkness, that was there, I knew it was me, and it was there, I just had to go through the darkness to get to me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I've always been there. It's beautiful. I am the most fucking silly person. And I have literally not been that person since I was seven years mm-hmm. old. This last month, literally this last, last month, has been me reuniting with my silly little mm-hmm. kid side. And Keep doing I that. found it with my kids And it's a safe space for me to joke and play. Mm -hmm. And they love it. God, they are eating my little kid side (laughs) up. (laughs) And they laugh and they think it's funny. And I'm like, if they don't, I'm like, what would you do with it? Like, I would be a boring mom Mm -hmm. if I didn't say, you're going to knock my balls off the Mm -hmm. tree. Yeah. Yeah. seriously and they're like laughing you're like you're right
0: yeah I love you mom Mom. (laughs) did my mom just say knock my balls off (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna knock my balls off well and that's something that you know Summer and I really love like talking about on um, on our social media platforms on just really like showing people that This is super important. We need to implement play into our life on a regular basis. And that when we do that, our life becomes so much more in the present, in the now, and we just have so much more joy and fun. We're supposed to have fun in this life. It's not supposed to be so serious. Why, why is it that when we turn a certain age, (laughs) now everything has to become so serious and so strict and so regimen? Why? It doesn't. Why?
2: And I shouldn't. think it's crazy because, I mean, I do totally different things than you girls do. And I think that what you do is completely amazing. But I, te- I love to teach classes about woodworking. It's a very empowering to women to find something outside of just being a mom. Mm-hmm. Whether it's using a power tool, it's extremely empowering, honestly. And I have had women go, I lost me. In my life of being a mom. And all of a sudden, there's like a life to learning something new and different. I think it just reconnects us to like our inner uh, creative side, badass woman side, Mm -hmm. honestly. And women can be so fucking badass. It's insane. We do not know. Most women don't know their power,
0: right? Honestly,
2: yeah. do not know.
0: Well, and I love that you actually brought up creativity because that creativity is actual is the feminine energy. So, for to be able to create a piece, so whether it be you know cabinetry or a piece child, of like or child, <laughs> literally a child, yeah. right? Yeah. But but you're talking about your, you're talking about yeah. you know your woodworking. So yeah. like creating like an actual piece, like so either an entertainment center, or a bookshelf or something mm-hmm. like that takes creative energy. Totally. You have to actually think of how do I make this? To how do I create vision. this? Yeah. It's beautiful. That is tapping into your yeah. femininity.
2: Yeah. And I think that women do not realize their power in that. Mm-hmm. I do not think that they do because I, so this is totally changing, but I went into literally a man's world. My business is a man's world and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. There are so many women that have, because men are good, but they are not creative. Doers. <laughs> For the most part, they cannot see a vision of what something mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. But women totally, totally can. They can look at a piece and go, you need to add this and this and this and this. It's, It is crazy power that Mm. women have in in what I do. I'm like, God, I wish there were more women that do what I do because they can see a vision that men cannot. There are literally contractors that contact me (laughs) that go, what molding did you use? Mm. I don't know how to create this vision that you created because they're simpler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's beautiful too, but... I just, women, I, I wish women could create, they will, they, they will are. tap yeah. into their creative
1: yeah. energy, whatever that means.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. However it is. Yeah. We got to wrap it up. Yeah. yeah. It's
2: been like three yeah. hours. I know, it's
0: so amazing. <laughs> we could talk like seriously on so many subjects. This was so <laughs> incredible
1: and so powerful and beautiful and inspired. Mm. Thank you so much uh,
0: for
2: sharing. How do you feel? Really good. Good. Yeah. It's crazy. <sighs> Doesn't it? Yeah. It feels free. Yeah. Yes yes I want my hope my hope Mm -hmm. cross my fingers that there's other women that will just open up to the reality that life is what it is and we all have a story all of us all of us have a crazy story not just a story but a crazy story Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's so much that we can share with other women that I honestly I hope that this is, like, an opening to more stories. Absolutely, it will be. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. We
0: love you. Uh, You're amazing. You guys, too. This is so beautiful. Uh, Thank you so much, Ash, for being on the show. Like, Uh, we just just appreciate your vulnerability and all the experiences mm -hmm. that you shared with us. Follow Instagram. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook.